podcast babies. I'm Jesse Oliver. I'm Maureen Smith. And I'm Makita Loney, and we're Fat Out of Hell. A bi-weekly podcast where we burn down fat stigma through conversations about our experiences as bad, rad fatties. So take out your extenders and buckle up, because it's time to go! Babies, and welcome to Fat Out of Hell, and welcome to menstruation station because today we're going to talk about periods talk about things that affect bodies who have periods and uh you should just know that going into this yeah yeah there's going to be discussions of like heavy bleeding and like extreme bodily discomfort and all that jazz so if that's not something you're into um we love you you know we respect you, but like maybe go listen to last week's or la- not last week, la- last year's spooky Christmas episode because like real talk, we like this. It's gonna get it's gonna get uh, bloody this episode. <laughs> I mean, it's Halloween themed, just in your pants. Uh- <laughs> it's Friday the Thirteenth, but there's a vagina involved. <laughs> And it's real. And it's real. <laughs> and it's real. Yeah. Uh, so Maureen uh, recently got a. I, I. I mean, I was going to set this up for you. Yeah. Maureen recently got a diagnosis of PCOS. Yeah, I did. And Maureen, an enthusi- do you want to tell us a little bit? I received an enthusiastic diagnosis of PCOS. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love a doctor who's enthused to tell you what's wrong. Oh, yeah, no, she. I explained my symptoms to her, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't even have to run tests. You have PCOS. Like, like we're gonna do tests because like this is a doctor's office, but like we're you have PCOS." Um, so just so for those of you who don't know, September is PCOS Awareness Month. So I figure that some awareness about what PCOS is would be a good place to start. So um, the way that normal menstruation, a normal cycle happens is that your brain sends a message to your ovaries saying, let's have a baby. And then your ovaries say, one baby, let's have five. And so then they make, they form these cysts where like about five eggs start to grow but then through different hormonal levels, those eggs, th- that those cysts turn into one big one to make one healthy egg. Then your ovary excretes that egg and it travels down the fallopian tube, all that jazz. Um, the way that PCOS works is that your ovaries don't move past the f- let's make five stage. And um, so a big egg doesn't form. Oftentimes an egg isn't released, but your brain keeps sending the message to your ovaries, let's have a baby. And your ovaries keep saying, let's have five. So hence the polycystic ovarian syndrome. Your ovaries are just making a bunch of cysts. <laughs> um, ovary caviar. Ovary caviar. It's like the beginning of Finding Nemo in my ovaries, where <laughs> there's two. <laughs> the look- just keep swimming, Maureen. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> the look of 
Nikita's face is just shocked. <laughs> oh. I have nothing to say. All I just imagine is just like Nemo and Dory like floating through your fucking like tubes. You're like, where's Nemo? <laughs> there's, but Nemo never left. There's no Nemo. <laughs> there's no Nemo. There's no Nemo. The Disney movie you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that is like a very like quick and dirty explanation of what polycystic ovarian syndrome is. I'm sure that uh, there are nuances that I left out. In fact, I know that there are because there are different hormone levels that raise and drop throughout that cycle hormonal imbalance is a big part of it um but i the specifics of it i don't remember um but um the symptoms of polycystic ovarian syndrome vary greatly but usually involve um growing facial hair or body hair um in unusual places like a lot of people with pcos have like um have like beards or mustaches or maybe even like back hair, chest hair, stuff like that. Um, oftentimes you carry your weight in your midsection. Um, also you have trouble losing weight, but gain weight, gain weight very easily. Um, and then the big one is irregular and or heavy periods. Um, and I am lucky enough to be the recipient of all of those symptoms. Um, if I don't, I like regularly shave my face because if I didn't, I would have like a f- pretty much a goatee. <laughs> um, a, a goatee and a neck beard, which is like really cute. Um, which like, you know, it. <sighs> like having facial hair as a person who identifies as a woman like there's no value judgment in that it's just that I personally don't like it so I choose to remove it um I when I was trying to lose weight it was extremely difficult for me which was an which was like such a source of frustration because like People around me who were also trying to lose weight could do so much more easily than I could. The smallest I, and you know, I'm just going to put a lot of content warnings at the beginning of this episode of like, even when I was like trying to lose weight, the smallest I ever got was a 16. And that was like, through some, I tried really hard. (laughs) Um, And then... I actually, for the past six months, have had my period nonstop. Um, And it's been really difficult. And so the main takeaway that I want you, listener, to have is that if you are a person experiencing any of these symptoms, um, they're not normal. Uh, They're not a normal part of a healthy period. Um, If you're experiencing these symptoms, please go talk to your doctor um, because there are, because there's no cure for PCOS, but there are ways that the symptoms can be managed. um, And you deserve that. (laughs) You deserve to have these symptoms managed. Um, And, and like, you know, 
they may tell you to lose weight and I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. Uh, but like there are ways that your period can be regulated or even stopped. There are ways for, you know, there are, there are steps you can take so that you feel less bloated. There are steps you can take to manage mood swings. Like there are, there are ways to manage these symptoms that can improve your quality of life. And like, please do them if you're able to. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> Did it feel really validating to have a doctor confirm to you? I think, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about being fat and navigating medical systems. And did it just feel incredibly validating to be like, yes, I tick every fucking box and you're just telling me I have this thing instead of telling me, well, are you sure it's not because of X, Y, and Z and like just knowing it's a thing? Well, this is, I think, where – so I, I – yes, it was a relief. And there, there are kind of like two – parts to that. The first part is that when I made my initial doctor's appointment to see a gynecologist, I told that I told my primary care physician that I have a history of eating disorders. And I went into full detail of what that eating disorder entailed and it is on my chart. And so um I had that going for me going into that appointment where I like, my doctor mentioned it to me. Like, the gynecologist, like, so I think that that helped the conversation steer away from weight loss. So if you are a person seeking medical attention or establishing a relationship with a primary care physician, being upfront about a history of eating disorders can really help you as far as being able to advocate for yourself. Um, the other thing that helped me. And this is, this is a point of privilege for myself. So my vitals are within healthy limits. Um, I have normal blood pressure. I have low cholesterol and, um, I am not diabetic or pre-diabetic. So my, my vitals, as far as like the things that they look for to get angry with fat people for are all within normal, healthy levels. And I, shudder to think how my experience would have differed if that were not the case. Um, and so like, I, I think that if you are a person where that is not the case, just going in there and like fiercely advocating for yourself and being like, you know, going in there and just like, being upfront about a history of an eating disorder or something like that is going to help you a lot. Use everything in your arsenal. Just be like the fiercest you can <laughs> in demanding quality care is what is, is what I'll say. But yes, I was incredibly relieved to actually receive like concern. <laughs> yeah. So I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 15. And you have to remember that was 1995. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> I mean, yes, old. Uh, 
No, not no, um, that my marvel my marveling was not at, at age. It was at the at the time and and me bracing myself for terrible treatment. So, yes. So they uh, one thing we we know now about PCOS is that PCOS is not caused by by being So, you know, I was put on birth control oh, at 15 Jesse, for my PCOS. Jesse, really yeah. quick, you glitched out. Um, oh. So I want you to start that thought over. Um, you, where you glitched out was PCOS is not caused by. Yes. So in 1995, when I was diagnosed, it was believed that I I had PCOS because I was fat. Right. So that like my fatness was causing PCOS. What we know now is PCOS because it's hormonal imbalance caught like is the cause of weight gain. So they put me on birth control pills and turns out I have a weird um, allergic reaction to estrogen. Oh, so uh, I not only did I gain weight because I was put on birth control as a 15 year old. Right. But I also like broke out in hives everywhere. So for many years, I ended up on the shot as a way of regulating things. And then eventually I worked my way to getting an IUD and I have a Mirena. And so a lot of the a lot of the symptoms you're talking about. I had when I was a teenager, but really haven't experienced since because I've medicated myself so much. The I will tell you, uh, periods of travel are usually when I it kicks up again. Uh, like especially European travel. Oh, interesting. Which is a weird thing, but uh, I went to a doctor. Was like, I think my. PCOS is sort of acting up, but they were like, have you traveled to Europe recently? And I was like, I have. <laughs> like, I uh, I have. And it turned out that that can be one of the things that triggers things, just because your body goes through multiple time zones. Um, but I think we do a, a great disservice to people who have periods uh, when we talk about, like, you know, when we teach kids about the fundamentals of, like, sex education... We don't tell them about endometriosis. We don't tell them about PCOS. We don't tell them about things that are important for them to know about. And the way we talk about PMS is like just being cranky. Well, there are like disorders of PMS that are actually far more than just being cranky. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we do a real disservice not discussing really important things about women's health or a broader spectrum of like uh people who have periods health that's so like harmful because like i mean i remember when i i had my first gynecological visits when i moved to chicago and i think i was 24 at the time and a huge thing in my family was that like I, like, I remember having a conversation with my mom about this. I was like, oh, I should probably make this appointment. And it, at this point, I hadn't been living at home for a while. I was fairly independent. And she was still like, why? You're not having sex. You don't need to go to the gynecologist. That's the only reason you would ever need to go. Um, and I just remember, like, a lot of, like, pain points in my family. Because, I mean, my family has, like, a, a lot of um, 
children who are women. So it's like me, my younger cousin, my older cousin. And so it's like, I remember another conversation that was being had in my family where somebody wanted to get like, you know, the HPV shot as like a, you know, preventative thing. And they're like, oh, you don't need to do that. Why you need to do that? Is there something you need to tell me? So it was like always met with shame. And I remember going to my first, like having my first pap smear and I had abnormal cells. And I had no idea what to do or how to receive that because I just, sex ed wasn't like something that was encouraged, especially like when I was growing up in like certain like educational systems, Um, didn't really have it in high school. I mean, I had like a health teacher who was really nice, but that was like the most I had gotten ever. So it was like, I didn't know what to do about any of that. So I think, yeah, everything that you were saying, like we just need to be better about also like, like educating. Yeah, really specifically with the HPV shot, because this is uh, a thing I talk about quite a bit. Throat cancer, the leading cause of throat cancer now is not smoking. It is HPV. Really? And Gardasil, the HPV shot, has now been approved for people up to 45. And uh, it... One of the strains that's covered under Gardasil, because remember, there are hundreds and hundreds of HPV strains. And mm-hmm. I think the sh- shot covers like the 17 most likely to be cancerous. And one of them is the uh, strain that leads to throat cancer. And now, because I'm a big old vocal nerd, I have watched pathology videos of HPV on vocal folds. And you just have to trust me when I tell you, listeners, you do not want HPV on your vocal folds. (laughs) Like, get the Gardasil shot. Get and and you know what? Here's the other thing I want to like really make known. Both uh, adolescent boys and adolescent girls can receive the Gardasil mm-hmm. shot. That mm-hmm. is something that should be happening. That's really, yeah, because like there was, there was um, HPV went around my college. Like a lot of people who I went to college with have HPV because of, I think like a couple just like a couple of people which like i would also there's a real statistic that if you've slept with five people you have each yeah so like and i went i went to a really small school like my my graduating class was 100 people so like yeah so like everybody fucked everybody (laughs) um so um i like oh i don't even remember my point Um, but so HP, like HPV was like a really big, like, and, oh, I remember my point. HPV was spread like among both men and women. Like it, and so like, if, and like, I think that uh, like the, the women who didn't get it were the women who had gotten the vaccine before they went to school and the men who were spreading it and the women who received it were the not recipients of that vaccine. And so it's just, yeah, men should be getting Forget it. Forget that HPV is a skin-on-skin yeah. virus. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's even if you're using condoms, you could still potentially get it. So, anyways, we... we- we took a left turn into HPV land yeah. because I believe very strongly that people should get vaccinated for yeah. it because uh, throat cancer from HPV is 
course. Almost entirely avoidable with that vaccine. Um, well, and so, like, as far as, like, awareness surrounding, like, PCOS and and other, like, you know, how, how are these kind of, how are these, like, syndromes and disorders classified like not reproductive but like like hormonal disorders so the the awareness surrounding these is so damn limited like i found out about pcos i heard of it for the first time from a buzzfeed video when i was 25 (laughs) and this was after 13 years of these symptoms And even in the first video where that disease was mentioned, the symptoms weren't discussed. It was just like, oh, I have PCOS, which means that I have to eat a certain way. And I was like, oh, well, thank God I don't have PCOS because then I would have to eat a certain way and I I wouldn't like that. And then I watched another video where PCOS was talked about actually in depth. And I was like, oh, holy shit. I had no idea that all of these symptoms were related. Like, I've always had hair on my face. I have always had... Oh, another one is acne. I had horrible acne as a teenager. Um, I've I've never had a regular period. Like, I remember, like, in college when smartphones started to be a thing and, you know, my friends started having these, like, period tracking apps. I was like, oh, well, this is of no use to me because I never know when mine is coming. You're like, my period is like free jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. You can't track it. (laughs) No, it's unpredictable. Go over to the jazz department with my period. Um, No, but like all of the, but I I just thought like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just that bitch with hair on her face or like, you know, like it just, it never occurred to me that the symptoms would be related. And then I watched this video. I was like, oh my God. They're all related. And then the next thing that was talked about was it can limit fertility. And I freaked the fuck out. Because I'm a person who wants children very badly. And, like, that's the, I think that's the other kind of, like, misconception surrounding PCOS. Is that, like, oh, if you have PCOS, you can't have kids. And that actually scared me off of going and seeking help for a while because I was like, if I can't have kids, I don't want to know about it. (laughs) You know, like if I can't, if, if that's, if that's what I have to, if that's news I have to receive from a doctor, I, I, I don't think I'm ready to receive it. And like, you know, if that's, I don't know about you, but that like, that kept me from going to a doctor And if that's what's keeping you from going to a doctor, I want you to know that, yes, fertility is affected, but it's not impossible. Like, there are plenty of of people who have PCOS who are able to have children. Like, you know, it... I I just wish that the realities of it were discussed more because I would have gotten relief sooner (laughs) yeah and i will tell you um jess baker was posting about pcos a while back and i had avoided talking to doctors about it because my initial experience like granted even though it was so long ago was 
well, if you just lose weight, if you just lose weight, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to hear this anymore. Like, I'm just, I am exhausted from this being an answer that gets parroted at me, right? Like, what? Lose weight. Um, <laughs> so when Jess Baker was posting about it, and she was specifically talking about weight and PCOS and how everything doctors had said previously about that correlation was incorrect and actually the inverse i went well okay yeah of course it is right like and it felt for me that was a moment that felt very validating yeah i'm sure and yeah and i think that's like there are just so many experiences medically as fat people where you just wait till you feel validated do you know what i mean like where you're like i know this isn't the thing or i know this is the thing or i and then finally someone is like oh yeah 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 you're right and you're like i know i'm right because to be fat and to navigate medical systems means that you're like a quarter of the way to being a doctor like you have to do all of your own legwork essentially right like um I did so much damn legwork going into that appointment. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I also, like, really, something you just said, like, really made me think about something I often tell people I teach, like, about uh, the fear of, like, being performers, right? And the fear of, like, auditioning. The reality is you can run away from fear for a really long time it doesn't mean it's not still behind you, right? You can run away from a diagnosis that might have a component that you're afraid of for a really long time, but eventually either it overtakes you and you get it whether you want it or not, or you turn around and you face whatever thing you're afraid of and you walk into it and you have control of that situation. So as someone who cares deeply about you, Maureen, I just want to say I'm so very proud that you turned around and you walked into that situation and took control of it. Because that can be really, really hard, but also it's really, really important. I will say, I kind of half turned around as it was overtaking me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a Gene Belcher side shimmy. Yeah, exactly. No, I very much side shimmied into the situation. Um, Like, I'm glad that I was proactive and I'm glad that I... Because I I think that I started this process at a good time where, like, I was teaching at home. You know, I was working from home. And so, like, I had my own bathroom that I – because, like, let me tell you, I just went, oh, God. Listen, I could go in and tell you how terrible – all right, I'm not a doctor. But, like, if you're on (laughs) – if you're on on birth control controlling PCOS symptoms – like when if you're prescribed birth control which more than likely you will be ask them if you can skip the the uh placebo week like do that at the appointment where they prescribe it to you because i didn't i didn't know if i should skip the placebo because i was like oh well they're trying it's trying to regulate my period so i probably shouldn't skip it boy oh boy should i have skipped it because (laughs) whoo um yeah, like bathroom security is a is a is a valued thing among people with PCOS. So like I'm glad that my symptoms I'm glad that my symptoms escalated now 
when I was in a position where I could manage them in a way that made me feel more comfortable. Um, but man, I tell you, trying to navigate doctor's appointments in the middle of COVID has been really terrible. <laughs> I don't know. This like the epitome of 2020, really. Yeah. <laughs> Now to beginning a system that is unkind to you in the middle of a global pandemic. Yep, that, yep, 2020. Yeah. God. Uh, how are you feeling now? Um, well, so in skipping, in doing the placebo week, um, I had another occurrence of extremely, actually much heavier bleeding. Um, and... When I went to my gynecologist back in August, she told me that I was slightly anemic, but that because I was stopping my period with the birth control that, you know, I should probably take some iron supplements to like get my iron levels back up to normal, but she wasn't too worried about it. And now I've been bleeding heavily for nine days straight. And so I went ahead and ordered like a whole thing of like, I did a whole like regimen of iron because I'm so like physically and emotionally exhausted um Uh, i do have a recommendation for people who are iron deficient there is a thing by a company called mega foods which is sold at a lot of whole foods called blood builder Mm -hmm. which has been probably one of the more helpful things for both um pcos and when i'm in uh periods of extreme bruising for ehlers danlos which happens Mm -hmm. That is my go-to iron thing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's good to know. I just ordered some stuff from Care Of because um, another thing that another fun symptom of PCOS is that your hair can start thinning. Um, and so, and I've noticed that like I have like a lot of like pretty thick hair, but I've noticed that in some parts of my scalp, like. There are some parts that are, like, a little patchy. And so, like, I'm doing kind of, like, a vitamin regimen of, like, let's maybe reclaim some of my hair and (laughs) take some iron. And, you know, uh, the birth control I'm taking is causing actually, like, pretty intense nausea um, just because I have to take more than one a day in order to stop my period. Um... And so I'm like, oh, let's throw a probiotic in there too. <laughs> like, so I'm like, yeah, like go talk to your doctor. Like <laughs> if you're experiencing this, these symptoms, um, like get it sorted out uh, if you're able to. And I realize saying that, that I'm like very, very heavily emphasizing the importance of going to a doctor. And I know that not everybody has access to that. Um. But feel safe at a doctor. And that's, yeah. you know, but I have found, yeah. though, a lot of uh, doctors who deal with uh, like gynecological things tend to be the least fat phobic I experience. Clinicians and doctors who do health work for people with a uterus tend to be the most 
understanding that fat phobia does not help any situation. I would also (laughs) advise if you're looking for like a system to enter into, like going to their website and seeing like what social programs they offer. Not like, not like bingo or whatever, but like what like social initiatives, (laughs) what like social initiatives they (laughs) offer. Like, Oh, like, do they have a free clinic? Like, cause if, if they, if as like an organization and as like a practice, they care about, disenfranchised populations more than likely if there's kind of like empathy baked into the system um at least that's what i've that's what i've found and like that i've had like some my doctor experiences because i like did some poking around and did some research about like what do these systems look like um i i ended up with some thankfully very empathetic and kind doctors for those listeners who are in chicago i can say that chicago women's health center is an incredible organization Mm -hmm. that uh is has helped me so much through the years so like that's an organization i would point people towards oh yeah well and they're like they they have like payment options that are reasonable Yep. Yeah. Um, well, that's honestly, like, what I've got <laughs> on the matter. <laughs> um, do y'all have any closing thoughts? I can go first. Um, go first. Um, not everything lasts forever. Uh, that's something that I've had to tell myself the past month or so. Um, there have been some really, truly low points in this experience. Um, and, um, I'm really, I'm very fortunate for so many reasons to have such a strong safety net around me like in terms of relationships, in terms of having access to care, in terms like so by so many measures, I am so well taken care of. Um, uh, but I was doing some research on PCOS and um, suicide rates among people with PCOS are high. Um, and so please know if you are experiencing these fucking awful symptoms like there are ways there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there are ways that you can get help and there are people who care about you yeah those are my closing thoughts is there is relief and you deserve it We should end it. Yeah. Well. All right. Podcast babies. We love you. We care about you. We want to encourage you to advocate for yourself in the medical system. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. 
You can find us on all the social media places as Fat Out of Hell Pod and all the podcast places as Fat Out of Hell. And you can shoot us an email at fatoutahellpod at gmail.com. Bye, babies. <laughs>